بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين وبعد فقد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في محكم تنزيله بعد نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فبما رحمة من الله دنت له ولو كنت فضا غليظ القلب لنفض من حولك فاعف عنهم واستغفر لهم وشاورهم في الأمر فإذا عسمت فتوكل على الله إن الله يحب المتوكلين صدق الله العظيم My dear respected brothers and elders respected sisters and youngsters in Islam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah in Surah Ali Imran has instructed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with certain advices which are very pertinent for us and they are great lessons for us to learn from this ayah the context of this ayah is the incident which happened after the battle of Uhud. In the battle of Uhud, Rasulullah had given particular instructions to the Sahaba to guard a pass in the rear where he was afraid that the enemy could attack. And there was a misunderstanding regarding his order resulting in which 70 Sahaba they ended up having to sacrifice their lives and became shaheed including Musab ibn Umayr radiallahu anhu, the flag bearer of, of the Muslim army, and the Muallim and the teacher of the people of Medina, and Sayyidu Shuhada Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 670 Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'in lost their lives due to this mistake. And this mistake was a major mistake in, in implementing the order of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Rasulullah himself personally was injured as a result and wounded and his face was, was struck by the arrow of the, by the sword of the enemies that ended up resulting in his teeth being dislodged from their gums and his face was bloodied and wounded. All this happened because they did not follow the instructions of Rasulullah So after such a big mistake, it is possible that Rasulullah's heart would become constricted and who would become upset with the Sahaba And if you would become upset with them as their instructor, this would definitely be detrimental to their progress in their spirituality and their closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and coming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because their teacher, their mu'allim, their prophet, their nabi was upset with them. So in these ayats, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is instructing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to forgive his companions and to further be soft with them and seek forgiveness on their behalf from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it is in such a respectful manner showing the honor of Rasulullah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had that position that he had in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also exemplified in this ayah. Allah ta'ala says, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ It is due to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you have become soft Layyinun is soft. You are soft with them, with your, with your companions, with your sahaba. Then Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا And if you had been harsh-tongued, غَلِيظَ qalbi, And if you had a hard heart, لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Then they would have run away from you, they would have abandoned you. فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ So therefore forgive them for their mistakes. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them as well. وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ And then consult with them and take their opinions when you decide matters. فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ 
then after taking consultation and mashwara and taking the opinions of the sahaba then when you make the final decision then rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna Allah yuhibbul mutawakkilin verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who trust in him those who lay their, their trust in Allah so in this ayah we see how in a very gentle manner Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing Rasulullah sallallahu he does not instruct him that you, be, you need to be soft and you need to speak softly and lovingly and do not be harsh rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off by saying this is how you already are he describes Rasulullah's attribute he says that you are already soft for them lintalahum and this perfection in the character of Rasulullah that is there, that is being affirmed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala is further confirming it and saying that, look, you are soft and you are kind to your sahaba. But where did this kindness come from? Where did this softness come from? Where did this gentleness in your character come from? Allah ta'ala is also reminding us that this is not something which is inherent, which comes on its own, which we can attribute to ourselves and we can claim uh, greatness due to our having those beautiful characteristics but rather we have to attribute it back to Allah and Allah alone that's why Allah Ta'ala says rahmatin min Allah. look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that due to his mercy upon you what do we see? Lintalahum, that you're very soft so the beautiful attribute that you have is there, it's already there but just a reminder that this attribute came from Allah and Allah alone and then instead of saying don't be harsh and don't be strict with them. Allah Ta'ala says that, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فضلاً. He just gives the outcome, if you weren't, what would have happened? وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فضلاً غَلِيظٌ قَلْبٌ If you were harsh-tongued and hard-hearted, one has to do with the tongue, how you speak, and one has to do with the feelings in your heart, how you feel. So, if, if your tongue was very harsh with them, or if your heart was very hard, and you didn't have any mercy on them, then what would happen is that, uh, they would have abandoned you they would have run away from you subhanallah so this is a lesson for all of us uh, as teachers as mentors as elder brothers as parents as elders in the community as in any position that we have that we are counseling people advising people or we are in a position to as uh, a model for others to follow and every person is responsible for his own family starting with the family as Rasulullah said each one of you is like a shepherd and will be asked regarding his flock everyone has responsibility those that are under him so we see that if Rasulullah despite being the pinnacle of perfection of character he was a manifestation of moral excellence yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying if you had a harsh tongue and a hard heart they would have abandoned you who would have abandoned you? Those Sahaba radiallahu who are ready to sacrifice their lives for you. So what about us? What type of character should we have when we deal with those that are under us? They would have abandoned you. So therefore, Allah Ta'ala says, So forgive them. Forgive people for their mistakes. This was such a major mistake which resulted in loss of life for so many great individuals and personal injury for Rasulullah Yet Allah is telling him, فَعَفْوَ عَنْهُمْ Forgive them for their mistake. 
Forgive them from the bottom of your heart. Do not hold any grudges against them. فَعْفُوا عَنْهُمْ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ And these sahaba who made the mistake in Uhad, وَاسْتَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ Seek Allah's forgiveness for them as well. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them. Meaning have their, uh, their welfare at heart and wish best for them so that they will be forgiven in the hereafter as well. وَاسْتَغْفِرُ لَهُمْ Seek forgiveness from Allah for them as well. And then beyond forgiving them and seeking forgiveness for them, Subhanallah, it doesn't even end there. Is you have to elevate them to such a rank, make them feel so much involved in the process, in the decision-making process, that despite the fact that you receive direct revelation from me and guidance from me, and you are my Nabi and my Rasul, and you're the Khatmul Anbiya, you're the seal of the Prophets, you receive direct instructions from me. Despite all of this, Allah Ta'ala is saying, fil and take their opinions when you re- Decide matters. Consult with them. So this is the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah. In the context of those sahaba who made the major mistake, which resulted in loss of 70 sahaba's lives and injury of Rasulullah Allah ta'ala is saying, take mashwara for them. And so that way their hearts will be at ease, their hearts will be at comfort, and they will feel involved that they have a voice and their voice is heard. This is instruction to Rasulullah sallallahu if there's anyone who did not need to take opinions of anyone else, then he, that was a personality of Rasulullah Because his words themselves were a hujjah and a dalil shari'i and a evidence that needs to be followed and a proof for the ummah. Just like the words of Allah, the kitab Allah, the Qur'an, we follow and we submit to the word of Allah. As Muslims, as believers, we submit to the word of Rasulullah Anything he would be uttered by default would be the hadith. Would be, and for those who are listening to him directly, there's no question of the hadith being sahih or not. That is a function of the strength or weakness of the narrators. There's no narrators between them and Rasulullah. They're hearing it directly from his lips. So every hadith is, is, it is 100%. They're hearing it from Rasulullah and it becomes binding upon them to follow. So if there's anyone who does not need to take opinions and not need to involve people in the decision-making process, it would have been Rasulullah wasallam. Yet Allah Ta'ala is telling him, fil amr. Take the opinions of your Sahaba عنهم, in deciding matters. And after that, Allah Ta'ala says that when you take the mashwara and you take the opinions of your different companions, azamta, then when you make the decision, and azamta is your final determination. When you make your final determination, so this final determination that has to be made is not made by anyone else or by everyone together. This is this this faida azamta. This verb is a second person singular masculine verb, which means that when you make the decision. So at the end of the day, after taking all the opinions, the one who decides the matter will be the one. Well, has to be one. There has to be at the end of the day one leader, one emir. And we all have the opportunity to express our opinions when the consultation is in process. But when the decision is made, then the decision is made by one individual, whoever is appointed as the Amir. We cannot have a situation where everyone is fighting to be the Amir. That will lead to chaos, anarchy. That is what we see from this ayah. Faida azamta, when you as Amir, as a, as a leader, you will make the final decision, then Allah. Then do not rely on your mashwara. Do not rely on your plans. Do not have reliance and trust in all of your preparations. You have to do the preparations. You have to do the planning. 
But after you make your plan and after you make your program and you have your meetings, then don't rely on your planning, don't rely on your consultations and say that everything will be successful because we planned it so. But rather after doing all the work, when you make your final determination, then rely solely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Know that your planning, you are weak, your planning is weak and nothing can be successful and you cannot reach your desired objective without the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So your entire reliance should be on Allah and Allah alone. In Allah yuhibbul mutawakkireen. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who trust in Him. So this is not only an instruction to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Rather we find in Surah Al-Shura, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He describes the believers, He says, وَأَمْرُهُمْ shura بَيْنَهُمْ The believers are such that they decide their matters through mutual consultation. So mashwara is a part of our deen. And their time is coming to an end. I wanted to touch on two things. This, was, this is the history of the ayah and the background of this ayah which talks about mashwara. And along with mashwara is istikhara. There's a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that maqaba man istikhara wa ma nadiba man istashara that the one who does istikhara will never have regret and sadness and the one who does mashwara will also be free from having to regret and have sadness and feel sadness. These are two gifts to us given by our deen, given to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When it comes to mashwara, this is a commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu We found him in the battle of Badr, he made mashwara, where should we camp? In the battle of Uhud, should we go out to defend, uh, go out on the offensive against the coming army of Quraysh or we defend Medina from inside. When he came to the battle of Khandaq, he made mashwara, how should we defend ourselves? And he took the mashwara of Salman Farsi عنه, with regards to digging a trench which was unheard of in the Arabian warfare. They never heard of defending through a trench. That was the battle of, of Ahzab when there were 10,000 mushrikeen from different tribes came upon Medina to surround it and defeat them. And they were in a shorter, smaller number, the Muslims army. So they, they took the, the defense and the help of the trench in defending themselves. He made mashwara in so many different occasions, what to do with the Sahaba. And thereafter, his companions who followed him, the Khulafa wa Rashidun, continued that process. But it does not, is not limited to matters of national importance, national affairs. Even in our personal life, many times we make mistakes because we, we do not take the trouble to take mashwara and guidance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask those who know if you do not have knowledge. We have students who do not take mashwara and counseling regarding the sharia aspect of their studies. They might be taking, uh, having a counselor at college to help in deciding courses. They end up studying four years and get a, such a degree that the only thing they can do with that degree is compute interest and earn lana of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now they have a very specific degree that they only work in the financial sector and banks and computing interest. Whereas Rasulullah said, The curse of Allah descends on the one giving interest, taking interest, the one writing up the contract and the witnesses. This is such a unique sin for which all of the different participants have been specifically highlighted as being cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only sin in the Quran where Allah ta'ala used the word harbun min Allahi wa rasulihi, prepare for war against Allah and His Rasul. Now we invested so much time and so many years in education and we got a degree that that's pretty much the only thing we are capable of doing. This is just an example. Why didn't we take mashwara that is this a good uh, 
my college counselor is telling me that this is a very great uh, opportunity and, and there's a good market for this and I will get a job. But from the Sharia perspective, is this, is this a good uh, area of study? Is this a, something good that I can major in? And likewise, when it comes to other decisions we make in life, regarding moving, regarding jobs, regarding marriage, all of these things that we do, and regarding affairs at home, even at home, between the husband and the wife and the children, to create harmony, to create love, to create unity within the family, instead of taking unilateral decisions as the head of the household, if the father sits down with all the family members regarding family matters and takes everyone's opinions, then this would be bringing the sunnah of mashura at, alive at, at the home level. Subhanallah, there will be so much barakah and blessing in that home. There will be so much unity where everyone participates in presenting their opinion regarding what should we do in our Thanksgiving vacation coming up? What should we do as a family? So different mashuras are given. What should we do in the winter vacation? What should we do regarding so many different matters? It could be mundane worldly activities as well. But if we get mashura from all of our family members, even the children get involved in the wife, then subhanallah, after the head of the household is the father, Allah Ta'ala has given that rank and responsibility. And the wife is the heart of the family, and the husband is the head of the family. Then when he makes the decision, and afterwards everyone becomes united and works together with that common goal. At least they had the opportunity to have their voice heard. So this is subhanAllah something that marketing and people in management and people in business administration, they talk about uh, in the worldly arena. But this is something which is taught to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran itself. And one of the etiquettes of mashwara is that when somebody asks you for your opinion, Rasulullah said, Al-Mustashar Mu'taman, the one from whom uh, opinion is sought, then this is an amana, it is a trust that he has to discharge. He has to be sincere in giving his opinion. He should sincerely advise a person based on what he would do for himself. What he would regard good for himself and his own family, that is a mashwara he should give. And he should, and he's exempted from the prohibition of speaking bad about someone behind their back, which is known as ghiba and backbiting. If somebody asks you regarding uh, a marriage proposal regarding someone, you know this person, what is your opinion regarding that person? And this proposal came from my daughter. What do you say? It is specifically been highlighted as an exemption from the prohibition of backbiting that a person has to speak the truth. Has to speak the truth and say whatever that person knows and will not be guilty of backbiting because this is mu'taman. A person is uh, it's an amana. It's a, it's a trust that he has to discharge. He has to speak what he knows. But at the same time, just as I'm, since I touched on this topic, if someone ever committed a sin in their life, it doesn't mean that they are condemned for life. And they, can, they, can, uh, they are always going to be doomed for failure and they can never get ahead in life. Rasulullah said, The one who seeks repentance and forgiveness from a sin is like the one who never committed the sin. So if somebody has moved on and committed some sins and, a, and some wrongs in the past, but they have made tawbah and have bettered their life, then uh, we should not be holding on to their past and not give them an opportunity to improve in the future. But rather we should be hopeful and say that, inshallah, based on the current situation, you can even give positive uh, mashwara regarding someone who might have done something in the past, but is now, alhamdulillah, repentant from that. And besides mashwara, one is to see khair from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is called istikhara. The Sahaba radiallahu anhu majma'in, they said, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
أو كما قالوا. The Sahaba they said that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to teach us the du'a of istikhara with as much importance and and and, and significance he would attach to it as he would teach us a surah of the Quran. There are so many du'as that we find in the books of Hadith and so many collections of du'as that are there to and so many. Uh, Books that are have are collections of all the du'as of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, pages and pages of du'as of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and all the big books of hadith have the kitab al-adhiyah, the chapter on invocations and prayers. So many du'as of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, yet there is no single du'a concerning which we find that Rasulullah sallallahu gave such importance as the Sahaba say, "Kama kan yu'alimuna suratan min al-Quran," like he would teach us a surah of the Quran, and. This is the du'a of istikhara. Khayrun means goodness. Istikhara means to see goodness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you ponder and reflect over the words, what is the words? Allahumma inni astakhiruka. Oh Allah, I see good from you. I see khair from you. Bi'ilmika. Because you have complete knowledge. Wa astakhiruka. And I see khudra and power from you. Bi khudratika. Because you have the absolute complete power. Wa as'aluka min fadlika al-azim. And I seek from your gracious bounty. فَإِنَّكَ تَقَدِيرُ For you have all power. وَلَا أَقْدِرُ I have no power. وَتَعْلَمُ You have all knowledge. وَلَا أَعْلَمُ I have no knowledge. وَأَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ You are the one who knows everything of the unseen. I barely know that which is seen even. You know the unseen. اللَّهُمَّ إِنْ كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُ O Allah, if you know أَنَّ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ That this particular task, this particular matter and affair, Whatever it is. And at this point, when we make the dua, we should think about that matter in our hearts, in our mind. Whether it is marriage, whether it is job. And for that matter, we are limiting istikhara to marriages and jobs in our practice. But if we are lucky enough to do that. Beyond that, we never do istikhara. Whereas we are supposed to be doing istikhara for any action that we take. That is, uh, that is permissible. Not that it's falat. We can never do istikhara about something falat. Should I perform jumu'ah or not? You do istikhara about that. If it's something permissible and there could be potential loss or gain, there could be benefit or there could be harm for us. And we are unaware. We seek khair from Allah. Allahumma in kunta ta'alam, O Allah, if you know anna hazamar, this task, this matter, this affair, this journey, this, this, this marriage, this job, this moving, this college, and whatever the matter is. And then you say khairan li, if it's good for me. Fi dini wa dunyaya, in my deen, in my dunya, in my, in my, for my religion and for my worldly life. Different narrations mentioned for my short in my, in the short term or in the long term. If it's good for me, then decree it for me and make it easy for me. Then make, put barakah in it for me and bless it for me. And if you know, on the other hand, that this matter, and then again we think about the matter in our heart, if it's bad for me, it's, it's harmful for me. It's bad for me in my deen, in my dunya. فَصْرِفْهُ عَنِّي Turn it away from me. وَصْرِفْنِي عَنْهُ And turn me away from it. So, if it's bad for you, then you're, you're, are you just going to have to leave it? And what, where are you going to go next then? Then that part is taken care of as well. Then wherever else the goodness lies for me, decree that other thing for me. If this is bad for me, turn it away from me, turn me away from it. But wherever else may be good, give me that, grant me that. And then make me pleased with it as well. It may not be such that my heart is attached to the former when it is bad for me and you decree the second one for me which is better for me but I'm still missing the first one. So that's why you make dua to Allah at the end. That oh Allah make me pleased with that which is better for me as well. It's very, very, very comprehensive dua taught to us by none other than Rasulullah And 
There, it is, there, to conclude, there is not um, any specific things we have to see in dreams. There are many things people say, oh, if you have, you have to see a green light, means you should go ahead, and if you see red, then means stop. No, there's nothing like that. This is not the rules of the road uh, uh, test, where you see a green light means go, and red light means stop. It, 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 and there is no condition to necessarily see a dream. The, if you, things start working out in your favor and things are progressing and things are going good, that's the barakah of istikhara. Go with it. If there are impediments coming and things are breaking off, that's the barakah of istikhara. Because the second part of the dua was that if it's bad for me, turn it away from me. Yes, your dua is working. It's not working out. It means something else is better for you. Either way, it's a, it's a win-win situation. You cannot lose with istikhara. That's why Rasulullah said, Ma'akhaba man istikhara. The one who does istikhara has no regrets. If things work out, it's in your favor. If things don't work out, it's in your favor. Because you made the dua. If it does, it's not good for me, turn it away from me. And the way to do it is to perform two, make wudu in the best manner possible. Then perform two rakat with a khushu and hudu with concentration and devotion. And then send salawat on Rasulullah Then recite this dua with concentration. Then make dua in your own words. And preferably to do this before sleeping. Yes, it is possible that someone might see a dream. But it's not a necessary integral element. Sometimes people are more perceptible to seeing dreams. That's just based on how they are. Allah has created them. Some people see dreams more. Some people see less. Some people might see indication in a dream. That's true. Rasulullah said, Mubashirat, wahi has terminated. But Allah Ta'ala sends uh, inspiration through dreams. And that will continue. This is a hadith in Tirmidhi. So you could see a dream. But you don't have to wait for a dream. Just continue on with it. The way your heart moves for, is inclined towards it. Any particular side, go with that. And inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will give you barakah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue to benefit from the blessings of istikhara and mashura and to decide our matters through these two blessings that Allah has granted us in the Quran and Sunnah.